The Hamlet Podcast, episode 150. I can hardly believe that we've reached this many episodes, but here we are, 150. Normally I say thank you at the end of each episode, but I do want to say it now to all of you who've been tuning in since the beginning, and if you're a more recent arrival, you're very welcome, and I hope you'll stick around for the rest of the play. We ended last time with the riddle from one gravedigger to the other. Who builds stronger than a mason, a shipwright, or a carpenter? The second clown has hazarded a guess and suggested that the answer is surely the gallows maker, since what he builds outlasts so many tenants. It's a reasonable suggestion, but his boss, the chief gravedigger, teases it apart. I like thy wit well, in good faith. The gallows does well. But how does it well? It does well to those that do ill. Now thou dost ill to say the gallows is built stronger than the church. Argal, the gallows may do well to thee. To it again, come. Even though he says he enjoys the suggestion, I like thy wit well, the gallows maker isn't the right answer. The gallows, what the gallows maker makes, does well, he says. It's a fine answer. But how does it well? The gravedigger here is spinning ideas even faster than Hamlet tends to, now wondering how it is that a set of gallows might do well. The gallows serve their purpose, that's what he means by do well, to those that do ill. The purpose of the gallows is to execute those convicted of wrongdoing, so it does well to those that do ill. That's all fair enough. But now he suggests that his comrade is doing ill by suggesting that the gallows is stronger than the church. Surely it is some kind of a sin to suggest that a lowly set of gallows might somehow outlast churches built of stone for God. And therefore, we get another argle here, the gallows may do well and serve their purpose for the second gravedigger. Before condemning him to death by hanging, he gives the poor second clown another chance. To it again. Come. And so, the second clown ponders this riddle one more time. Who builds stronger than a mason, a shipwright, or a carpenter? The first clown confirms. That's the riddle. Aye, tell me that, and unyoke. Answer that, he's saying, and you can be done with it. To unyoke is what's done for a donkey when he has finished pulling his cart. The second gravedigger thinks he has an answer. Marry, now I can tell. So tell me, says the first. To it. There's room for a comic pause here, and then... Mass, I cannot tell. We haven't had a minced oath for quite some time, but our clown gives us two here, marry, and then by the mass, or mass. Fairly innocuous expletives, but it's interesting that we haven't had any for a while. We also get a stage direction here. Hamlet and Horatio enter at a distance. The second gravedigger has suffered long enough, and so number one explains the riddle. Cudgel thy brains no more about it, for your dull ass will not mend his pace with beating. And when you are asked this question next, say, A grave maker. The houses that he makes last till doomsday. Go, get thee to Johan. Fetch me a stoop of liquor. 
I actually had a teacher in graduate school who would quote this and say, cudgel thy brains no more about it whenever he felt that a student had taken long enough with a difficult question. It's rather a crazy image of someone beating their own head with a cudgel as they try to solve a problem. The gravedigger continues, for your dull ass will not mend his pace with beating. A slow donkey won't speed up just because you beat it, and likewise the second clown won't get any smarter from banging his head trying to solve the problem. When you are asked this question next, he says, the answer you should give is a grave maker, because the houses that he makes last till doomsday. Now, there's a terrific irony to this. Here is a grave digger proclaiming that graves will last until kingdom come. In the metaphysical sense, he's right, since they are the resting place for people until then. But even as he's saying this, he's at work digging a new grave, and as we'll see very soon, this requires the dislodging of the bones of the previous inhabitants. It's quite an amazing image. He sends the second gravedigger away. Go, get thee to Johan, fetch me a stoop of liquor. Some texts tell him just to go in, rather than to this mysterious Johan. Perhaps it's an attempt at a Danish name, or, and I rather like this suggestion, it was the name of an innkeeper very close to the theatre. So, the clown is drawing immediate attention to the London surroundings and sending off his fellow in the hope of a very real drink. Way, way, way back in Act 2, Scene 3, we had a great number of references to the war of the theatres in London, so I don't think it's beyond the bounds of possibility that the clown can slip in a nod to something as practical as the name of the local barkeeper. Either way, our second gravedigger departs, and sadly he doesn't make it back, with or without that stoop of liquor. The first remains, and he launches into a little song as he digs. In youth, when I did love, did love, methought it was very sweet, to contract, oh, the time for, ah, my behove, oh, methought, there was nothing meet. If this doesn't sound like it makes a lot of sense, it is in fact a very garbled quotation of a popular Tudor poem, and the poem was called The Aged Lover Renounceth Love. It was by Thomas, Lord Vaux, the second Baron of Harrowden. And if you're not familiar with his oeuvre, don't worry. The original begins like this. I loathe that I did love, in youth that I thought sweet. As time requires for my behove, methinks they are not meet. You can find out more about this Baron of Harrowden on the website in the show notes for this episode. The gravedigger is throwing the audience's attention back in time. Thomas Vaux was dead about a half a century by the time Hamlet was written and first performed. The little quotation, misremembered and broken up, we assume, by his grunts and exertions while the gravedigger digs, is unusually specific. An older lover renouncing love, looking back on youth with regret. The gravedigger will soon have reason to tell us how long it is since he started his trade, and he'll have things to say about the good old days. None of these references really work for an audience today, but there are tantalising hints of what Shakespeare's clown might have been like. Sending his drink order to the bar, singing little snatches of old songs, digging away and, as we're about to see, unearthing the bones of the dead. All of this, particularly the talk of young love, is very meaningful to us in the audience because we know for whom this grave is being prepared, but Hamlet knows nothing of it as we will see 
in the next episode. Do be sure to visit the website, thehamletpodcast.com, for show notes, updates, bonus features, and of course, access to all 150 episodes of the show so far. I'm eternally grateful for your company, and I'll speak to you next time.